How do you know what to do in your life? How do you make decisions? Big decisions. How do you make them? When we were kids, if we wanted to do something, we would go ask our mom, our dad. And we'd run and say, Dad, Mom, can I go over to play at Tony's house? Can I go to the movies with my friends? And you would always be hoping for that yes, right? That's what we wanted, the yes. We were looking for the yes. But you get to the point where you no longer ask mom or dad about what you should do or what you could do. You're on your own. You're on your own. Now what do you do? Now what do you do? Many people today, they do what feels good. They do what they want to do or what they think they want in their life. They do it. But how about you? What about you? How do you live your life? How do you decide what you should do? And especially in those big moments, those big decisions in your life. God shows us in his word how we are to do it. For the Christian, we're to be led by God. Amen? Amen. For the Christian, we're called to be Christ followers. And that means following Jesus. Amen? Jesus looked to these men in Galilee and he looked up at them and he said, follow me. Right? He said, follow me. And for that reason, that's what we're called to do. That's what a disciple is. That's what a Christian is. A person who follows Jesus. And not just in his principles and his teachings, but just literally him. To, to know him, to know his voice, to know when he speaks to you and when he says to you in that still small voice, go this way, go that way, don't go there, avoid that place. To know Christ and to know his leading, that's what we're called to as Christians. Israel was taught how to follow God back in the Old Testament and specifically back in the wilderness tab tabernacle. Now last week, we've been talking about, in the last few weeks, we've been talking about the high priest of Israel. As God called his people out of Egyptian slavery and into the wilderness, and he called them, he gave them his commands, and he gave them the commands to build, uh, to put together and to build a tabernacle, a place, a dwelling, a place of worship, a place that he would be with his people, and he gave them a priesthood, uh, a priesthood that would do the work of the tabernacle, that would minister to the Lord and minister to the people, and then a high priest, a high priest that outranked all the rest of the priesthood, and he would represent the people to God, and God would be represented to the people through this priest, this high priest. And last week, we've been talking about, the last couple weeks, we've been talking about specifically the clothes, the fashion, the, the robes and the garments of the, of the priesthood and specifically of the high priest. And we've been talking about how those garments of the high priest made a statement. We've been talking about the fashion statement. Right. 
of the high priest. And they make a very bold statement about who Jesus is, what his character is, his love for us, his, his activity towards us, and what he's done for us in the redemption uh, through it all. And so last week we talked about specifically the breastplate. It's called the breastplate of righteousness or the breastplate of judgment. And on this particular breastplate, uh, there were these settings of gold, and in these settings of gold were 12 gemstones, right? And you remember, we talked about, I, I, I took the breastplate and the, the idea that the high priest had these, these stones, these precious stones that were set uh, upon this uh, piece that would be upon the heart, upon the breast of the high priest. And we talked about, you know, we, I, I wove it and I said, you know, we got, we got this movie over here, you know, Marvel's. Avengers, and there was this guy that's trying to uh, find all these particular stones and put them into this glove. And if he gets all the stones in the glove, then he's going to have the power to do what he wants to do. And I told you that God has something. He's got something where he's collecting stones. And those stones represented the people of God. And you are represented today by those stones upon the breastplate. Why? Because you're a gem. You're a treasure. You're the treasure that was in the field. That for the one who found it, the man who found the treasure in the field, he said, I want to own that treasure. And, I, and he went out and he gave away and he sold all that he had so that he could buy the field, so that he could own the land, so that he could own the treasure that was in the field. Amen? And you are that gem to God. And so we learned about that. So you had the 12 gems, those 12, not the infinity stones. I don't even want God's stones, amen? <laughs> the, the eternal stones of God. And you are those precious stones that are going to endure into, into eternity. And, uh, and so then he also had the two black onyx stones upon the ephod. We learned how to rest in the authority of Christ and that he, in his, his authority in our lives and his covering is what we should rest in in our lives. And tonight we're going to look at, there's a couple more stones and then we're going to be done with looking at precious stones, although it's been fun. Amen? Every, we're going to be done looking at precious stones. And everyone said, oh, oh, can we keep doing it? Can we keep doing it? Okay, tonight. We're going to be looking at just a couple more stones, right? Tonight we're looking at a couple more precious stones, the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim. Okay, now you don't hear many messages, trust me. You do not hear many messages on the Urim and the Thummim. Raise your hand if you've heard an actual whole message on the Urim and the Thummim. One person, two Three. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, tonight's the night that you will no longer be able to say that you have never heard a message on the Urim and the Thummim. Amen? All right. So we're going to look at this tonight. Tonight we're going to look at these, these stones. What are these stones? The Urim and the Thummim. Let's find out. Let's look at it. Exodus 28. Let's pick it up. Verse 29. It says this. So Aaron, who is the high priest, Aaron's the high priest, so Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart. We pause right there. What God is saying is he's talking about the breastplate of righteousness. We just read last week all the verses that dealt with the stones and all the fittings and all the things of that breastplate. 
So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. And so Aaron shall bear the judgment of the Lord of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. So we have these two, these stones. People think of them as a pair of stones. They think of them as the Urim and the Thummim. Um, I don't think that anyone, I don't think any scholar can definitively say exactly how many stones there were, but we, knew that, that we know that there are two kinds. We have the Urim and the Thummim. And these were the two other stones that were kept in the breastplate. Now, if you were paying attention last week, how many were paying attention? How many were not paying attention? <laughs> Nobody's honest in here. No. Very, you know, very good. Very good. You're paying attention. You're paying attention. If you were paying attention last week, you remember we talked about the breastplate being made of a, of a square cloth. And it was made in such a way that it was doubled over. And so it was a double square. And so by virtue of the construction and, and the way that it was made, it literally, you had the, on the outer side here is where you had the fittings with all the gemstones, the precious stones, with the engravements of the names of, the is, of, of Israel's tribes on the stones. But then what that left really is, is a pocket. You had a pocket in here to put your hand if it was cold. No, no, no. It wasn't for that. It wasn't like a Napoleon type thing. It was, there was some other stones that were to be kept in that pocket. And those stones were the Urim and the Thummim. These were the stones and they were used for, they were used for judgments. The judgment of God was, to, was, was going to be born by the high priest on his heart as he would wear the breastplate with the Urim and the Thummim inside that little pocket. The judgments of God. These stones were used for learning the judgment of God, learning and discerning the will of God, his decision on something. The priests used these stones to seek the Lord's direction and his discernment for Israel and for the people of God. One of the ideas concerning the Urim and the Thummim comes from the meaning of their names. Urim mean, means lights. So you have Urim is light. And the Thummim means perfections. And, okay, so there's two different ways of looking at this. I, I, I've come across, and I, in the book, if you read the book, I have a, I, I, you know, sometimes when you write a book, you kind of have to go with like, the, like the, the consensus, even though there's some other stuff out here, because if you feel, you know, part of writing a book is deciding what you're not going to put in the book. <laughs> some people don't know what to write when you talk about Jesus. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm writing a book about Jesus. How am I going to put this all in a book? There's already a book. And, and the book's about Jesus. You know, John said it at the end of his gospel. He said, if people wrote books, the world could not contain the books right. that would be written about Jesus, right? So, if the world could not be contained, 
It could not contain the books about Jesus. Certainly, if you're going to write one, you're, you're going to have to pick and choose how, what you say uh, because you, 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 know, you don't want people walking around with like, you know, some Encyclopedia Britannica or something. You know, they've got to be able to, you know, of course, nowadays, nobody worries about that because you guys all have digital books or whatever. But anyways, the Urim and the Thummim, lights and perfections, um, well, let's say it this way. The Urim is lights and the Thummim is perfections. The Urim stone was most likely a, a light stone, a white stone. Some have even suggested perhaps a diamond, a white stone, while the Thummim was a darker stone. And the stones, as, they, as, the, as he would go in to inquire of the judgment of the Lord, of the, of, the, of the perfection of the Lord. Because see, we already sung it in the song, right? You're perfect in all your ways. Okay, so when you would go in to, to inquire of the Lord, you would go in to inquire of his perfect way, of his perfections. And so you'd have the lights, and, you'd, and if it was uh, uh, something where uh, God would say yes to it, then it would, the, the lights, as the, the refraction, the reflection of the light coming off of the menorah, the golden candlestick, would light these stones in certain ways and give indication to the high priest what the mind of the Lord was, what the judgment of the Lord, what the will of the Lord was on a particular situation. And so you had, so if it, if it reflected in a certain way that, that went towards the, the light, the Urim, the light stone, that was a yes, and then if it was toward the thummim, the darker stone, that would be a no, and so then you would have the will of the Lord. You would discern the mind of the Lord. And see, this is what God was using to get them to inquire of him, to go to him. See, because before this, what were they doing? Well, they were doing what every other person does, living their life. You just do what you, just do what you do. You get up every day and you do what you do and you do and you go and you, and, and, and they were coming out of pagan, Egyptian paganism, right? They were going after, coming out after, you know, they had, in fact, when Moses came down after 40 days and he came down with the law, he was gone so long that they said, oh, well, maybe he's gone. Maybe he's not coming back. He came down. They had already gone back to the Egyptian religion. They had already gone back and got the golden calf going and the ritual and, that, and, and, and we don't want to get into all that and, the, and just the nastiness of all that uh, that, that, that was entailed. But you see, you see where the inclination of their heart was because that's what they, God was bringing them out of. He was bringing them out of that darkness, out of that slavery, out of that bondage, and he was teaching them to trust him. He was teaching them to inquire of him, to come to him, to look for his perfections. Amen? And so you had lights and perfections. The stones reflected the light in different ways when used to inquire of the Lord's discernment and and the, the, the high priest would discern the will and the mind of the Lord. And so again, you had the Urim stone, the lighter stone, which more than likely signified the yes, and the darker thummim stone signified a no from God. So this whole thing was set up as a way to inquire of the will of the Lord. Amen? Now, we are to inquire of the Lord. What are we to do? In the opening, I asked you, 
how you live your life how you make the decisions in your life. When you come to those big moments, when you come to those things, those perplexing times, when you just, everyday life, how do you do it? Well, God is instructing us and he wants us to be led by him. He wants us to inquire of, of him, amen? We as Christians, and we've been learning this as priests, we are the priesthood, amen? We are, Peter, picking up on that theme, we're a royal priesthood of believers, Right? We're the kings and the priests. We're the ones in Revelation 4 in heaven and Revelation 5 in heaven, thanking God, singing, God, singing to God his praises and thanking him for making us priests and kings. Amen? Right. I'm going to be there. Right. I'm going to be there thanking God that he made me a priest and a king. Right. You're a royal priesthood of believers. You're a king and a priest in the kingdom of God. You're a prince and a priest. And because you are that, God is teaching you and God inviting you to inquire of him. To inquire of him is perfections, his leading in your life. And we can inquire of the Lord directly through prayer, amen? Through just talking. What is prayer? It's just talking to the Lord. It's talking to God. It's asking him. It's just speaking to him. Now, there's a famous passage in the book of Psalms where the psalmist says this, and I'll have a couple verses of this psalm. It's Psalm 27. Verses four and five I'll have up on the screen, one in succession of the other. But it says this, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Verse five, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. This is just such a beautiful psalm. The whole psalm. The whole Psalm 27. Just read it tomorrow morning when you wake up and sip in your coffee, uh, looking at whatever you're looking at. Squirrels in the grass or, you know, a beautiful lake or a river or, you know, what a flower. You know, maybe it's an orchid. I don't know what you look at when you when you're sipping your coffee, but whatever you're sipping, you could just read Psalm 27 and just be encouraged. Amen? And wow, what a, what, a, what a powerful couple of verses here. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days. Is, is that our desire? Is that our desire to dwell in the house of the Lord, to, to, to dwell with God, to, to be God's people? I mean, that's really what it means to be saved to be a follower of Christ. It's, it's to have that heart that says, I, I want to serve him. I, I, I'm with you, God. You know, I look out at just the confusion and the, just the mass hysteria and destruction and just bewilderment and all of it. And then I look to the Lord and I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I can know Jesus, that I can know you, Lord, and I want to just be with you. I'm with you, Lord. I am with you, God. Yes. Amen? Amen? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days to behold the beauty of the Lord. I don't have time to get into this, but there I preached a message on the beauty of the Lord. I preached a message on absolute beauty. I asked the question, is there such a thing as absolute beauty, like beauty in absolute perfection? 
And the answer is yes. The reason why we have beauty that we can look upon something and say, that's beautiful, that's beautiful, is because there's something, actually someone, who is ultimately beautiful. And it's the beauty of the Lord. And to, when you get a hold of that and you know that, you want to be with the Lord and you want to just behold and experience his beauty in your life. Amen? To behold the beauty of the Lord. And then he says, and, and to inquire in his temple. You want to be with the Lord, you want to behold his glory, and you want to inquire of him. You, 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 you're living your life, you've got decisions over here, you've got things that you've got to do, you've got decisions to, that need to be made. We go to the Lord. We go to, to inquire of the Lord because he has those perfections. His ways, he's perfect in all of his ways. Oh, Lord, you're perfect in all your ways. We sang it over and over and over again. He wants, he, his perfection, his perfect ways are available to us. Not that we're, not that we're gonna be perfect, but we, we, have that, we have that opportunity. We have the right. We've been given the access to the throne of grace to come and to inquire of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set my foot upon a rock. Don't have time to go into that, but just the idea of being hidden in God and being protected, the refuge of God. Amen? It's just an awesome, awesome thing. People look, well, no, I'm my own man. I'm my own thing, and I do my thing, and don't tell me how to do stuff, and, and, and don't put me under some, uh, you know, uh, what, what was Christopher Hitchens? You know, you wonder who these people are that I put in the trailer. These are all people that, 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 that have said a thing or two about God and about Jesus. And one of the things that, that Christopher Hitchens, and he was my favorite atheist <laughs> before he passed away. He was my favorite atheist. And the reason why he was my favorite atheist is because I liked the way he talked. I just didn't agree with him. And my heart went out to him. And he would say, well, I don't want, you know, he would call God a celestial North Korea. Now you look it up. He, that's the quote. A celestial North Korea. Now some people have that view. Well, I don't want a celestial North Korea in my life. I want to hide under the pavilion. <laughs> I want to hide under the pavilion. I want to be in the refuge. I want to behold. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. I want to inquire in his temple. And in the time of trouble, he's going to hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of the tabernacle. And he shall hide me and he shall set my foot upon a rock. And he who builds his house upon a rock, he's going to be thankful. We used to sing the song in children's church about building your house upon the sand or building your house upon a rock. Which one are you going to build? You're building your life. You're building your house. Which house? Where, where, where are you building this house that you're building? Are you building it upon the rock of Christ Jesus? Are you building it in the sand when the storm rises, when the, when the you know, you go to some of these places. You know, you go to some of these places, even in Florida. After the, one of the hurricanes, I forget which one of the hurricanes was it was Matthew or one of these recent ones. And we drove up north of uh, St. Augustine and there was a place where uh, A1A had literally been, you know, half of it was like A1A was swept away into the, into the ocean. 
and you're going, wow, man, you got to do a better job of somehow securing this before I come up here and want to have a house, you know. And you look at these coastal areas where they build all the homes up on stilts and stuff, and it's like, ah, I don't know about it. You know, I want to be up way up on a rock on a cliff. I don't want to be like down on the thing on stilts. Amen? Can I get an amen? Can I, amen, amen. So the question is, where are you building your life? Where are you building your house? We need to inquire the Lord. The Lord will give us the answer. The Lord will give you the answer. Now, perhaps you stopped inquiring of the Lord because you thought, well, the Lord's not giving me the answer. Or maybe you thought that in your head, and you said, well, I'm going to stop. I'd really like to have the answer from the Lord, but it doesn't seem like I'm getting an answer, so I'm just going to stop inquiring. Well, let me just let me bring you, bring you back. The Lord will answer. The Lord will answer. Just as he illuminated the white stone of the Urim or the dark stone of the Thummim, he will illuminate the answer in your heart. Amen? God speaks to us. God speaks to us. The question is, not is God speaking, but are we listening? Are we listening? It was Francis Schaeffer who wrote the book reminding Christians he is not silent. And it was out of the gray. A contemporary Christian group in the early 90s, look it up on iTunes, look it up on Spotify, get their song, He Is Not Silent. They said, he is not silent, we just are not listening. So the question is, are we listening? Are we listening? A few years ago, there was a funny video of this little Latino boy speaking to his mother, whose, whose name was evidently Linda. Linda, listen. Listen, listen, Linda. Linda, listen. Linda, Linda, listen, Linda. You remember that? Yeah. I mean, it's viral, right? It's viral. And, you're, and you, the first time you see it, I mean, how many times? I've seen it like 10 times or 20 times. I don't know, because it's funny, you know? And, and, and so this little boy, I wonder where he heard that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's the first thing you're like, oh, hmm. Wonder where he heard that. Linda, listen, Linda, listen. Christian, listen. Christian, listen. The Lord is speaking. When we go to inquire of him, he is speaking. And he's going to illuminate that answer in our heart. Amen? Amen. When we go to him, he will light our path. He, he guides us in his word. Now, some people go, now, I want to clear something up for you. If God has already said it in his word, then you don't need to go back to ask God, hey, should, should I do this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know? Should I, should I steal this? <laughs> right? You don't have to inquire of the Lord. He's already said very clearly, unequivocally. Right. He said, thou shalt not steal, right? So if it's written in the word, God's already revealed it in the text. You don't need to go and inquire the world, the Lord. But there are those times, there are those circumstances, there are those things where God wants to lead us and we've got to be able to knowing the word and committing ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. We're walking in the path that is lit by the word and then we're looking for that still small voice as he's giving us the direction, as he's giving us his will and his judgment and his perfection for our life. And look at this. It comes in 
committing ourselves to him. There's something that happens when we commit ourselves to Christ. When we submit ourselves to the Lord, when we give ourselves to the Lord, when we say, God, I am all in with you, Lord, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to walk in this path. And this is the way the Proverbs put it. Proverbs 3, 6, you know it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are probably among the most famous of the Proverbs. I'm going to read number 6 for you, verse three, chapter 3, verse 6. In all of your ways, it'll be on the screen. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will what? Direct your paths. In all of, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So when we commit to him, when we trust him, when we acknowledge him in our ways, there seems to be this thing where, if you ever notice where some people just kind of like, they're just on that path, they're on that path. What is it? What are they doing? What do they know that I don't know? I'll tell you what they know. They know this. If you'll acknowledge him in all your ways, he's going to direct your paths. And those paths that he's going to direct of you are his perfections, of his lights and his perfections. Amen? When we commit our ways to him, he will make our paths straight. We just need to be careful to listen to the still small voice. Amen? When we were living in Orlando, early on, this is um, early on, we were just married a, a couple of years, maybe like three, four years, maybe, maybe not even. And uh, we were living in you know, this you know, up and coming area of South Orlando, Hunter's Creek. It would eventually go on to be the 21st greatest place to live, according to CNN Money Magazine. And they, they put it up on the marquees as you came into the area. And it was like, oh, this is wonderful, Hunter's Creek. Orlando, Florida, the whole thing, right? So this was early on. We said, hey, we're going we're gonna to buy a house. And not only are we going to buy a house, but we're going to build a house because there's builders everywhere. They've got their flags, you know, come see our model homes and, and all this. And you walk in, they've got all these brochures and all this, and you just, oh, look at this and this home. And so Mary Jo and I looked at this home and uh, we picked out this home. We were going to have it built. We put down the down payment. We said, okay, it's going to take, I don't know, nine months or whatever it was going to be. And um, four bedrooms, two baths, pool, lanai, whole thing, 153000 1998. Let's all get a time machine and we can go back in time. And actually, we wouldn't go back to 98. We'd go back to like, 1898. <laughs> I was in California at this, at this hotel. And, they, and, and it was in Dana Point, California. And I was at this hotel and in the hallway, they had this old, old picture, black and white. And it was a picture of Dana Point from like, you know, decades ago, like, you know, 60, 70, 80 years ago. And I said, oh, wow. It'd be great to go back and just get a few acres <laughs> and just hold on to it. Keep it in the family. Where was I? Oh, we were building the house. <laughs> we're building the house, and, uh, and one day I was at work. I was uh, working at a church and actually working at a golf course at the same time. Not at the exact same time, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. And uh, so I'm, I'm doing that, and um, I heard the still, small voice of the Lord say to me one day, I, I don't want you to get the house. I don't want you to get the house. 
So I don't know if we missed it beforehand, before when we signed on the dotted line, perhaps we did. But then he came back again. He said, I don't want you. And I said, I said to the Lord, this is what I told him. I said, I hear you, Lord, but you're going to have to tell Mary Jo, not me. She's going to have to hear this from you. All right? So it was a deal. We had a deal. And uh, wouldn't you know it, when I got home that night, I said to Mary Jo, I said, hey, we need to talk. She says, oh, yeah, we, yeah, I need to talk to you. I said, oh, well, you go first. <laughs> well, I just want to tell you that just today I was just feeling that the Lord was telling me no on the house. And I was like, wow, wow. Mary Jo, that's the same thing that the Lord told me, no on the house. And... We were just in unity immediately on that point. And I said, okay, okay. So we've just got to learn. I think sometimes, and I've, I've been around the block enough to know this, that sometimes I think that we, we want something a little bit more than we want to hear what the Lord has to say on it. You know what I'm talking about? And if you've been around the block is, at all, you know what I'm talking about. You've made those decisions. You go, you know, yeah, really? In retrospect, I wanted that a little bit more than I knew that it was the perfect thing from God for us, for me. And I think tonight's a night that we can shed a light on that and say, hey, let's just wait on the Lord. Let's let the Lord give us a yes but let's also let the Lord give us a no because it's his, per, it's his perfections, amen? And if it is his perfections, I think we'd all agree, would we sign up today, tonight, for the perfections of the Lord in our lives? If, I mean, if I had a piece of paper, to put sign up sheet in the back, sign up, put your name, number, God's gonna be calling, you're signing up for his perfections. Would anybody bypass the, the, the sign up back there? No, I think we'd all run back to the sign-up sheet and say, yes, I want, I want the perfections of God in my life. And I would say this, we need to simply inquire of the Lord and then trust the judgment of the Lord, trust the perfections of the Lord, knowing that he is guiding us and he is gonna bring those good things into our lives, amen? And so trust the Lord, trust his word, and trust that still small voice as you learn to hear him and know the will of the Lord in your life. Now, one final thing before we wrap it up. I call this the final yes. The final yes. Because remember when I said in the opening that we would go to our mom and dad and we'd say, hey, can I go to the party or can I go to the movies or can I go? go the friends are all getting together and whatever. Can, can, can I go? Yes. Yes. And back in my day, it was like mostly no. <laughs> it was like, oh, one of these days I'm going to get a yes. Nowadays, I don't know, this parenting, it's all yeses, right? It's all like, you know. Um, but anyways, there's the final yes, the final yes. With this Urim, the, the Urim and the Thummim, there could be an interesting connection to the end times. 
and two, specifically something that Jesus said in the book of Revelation to the church at Pergamos. You know in the book of Revelation, it opens up with an unveiling of Christ, and then he dictates seven letters to seven churches. God wrote seven letters to seven churches in Asia Minor. And the third church was a church in a town called Pergamos. And Jesus said this to them. At, at, the, at the end of every one of the, 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 the letters, you know, there was, a, there was kind of a theme to the letters. There was like, you know, you di- you're doing this right, you're doing this wrong, here's the solution to what you're doing wrong, and if you'll do this, everything's going to be good. Right? I mean, that's kind of the basic theme. And then at the end of the letters, very end, there was this promise that he made to those who would overcome. He says, to, to, to you if you overcome, church of Pergamos, if you overcome, here's, here's the promise that I'm going to give you. And, and here's the promise. I'm going to have it up on the screen for you. It's Revelation 2.17. This is what Jesus says. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give him some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him, look at this, I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Let me submit to you tonight that this is that final yes for the overcomer. We sang the song tonight, all your promises are yes and amen, and they are. all, All his promises are yes. If he promised it, it's a yes, he's going to do it, and you can count on it. And the promise to the overcomer is that if you overcome, if you trust me with your life, I'm going to give you Church of Pergamos, I'm going to give you the white stone, I'm going to give you that yes. That yes that says from our high priest, you have overcome the world. You have overcome the world. You have made it through faith in Jesus Christ by the, by the, the blood of Christ and the word of your testimony. You have overcome, and here I give you the white stone, the yes it's a perfect picture of our good, good father giving us that final yes. Amen? Amen? And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So, gemology, part two, the Urim and the Thummim. How do you live your life? How do you know what to do? We've been given the precious stones of the Urim and the Thummim in this powerful thing called the ability to go into the temple, into the tabernacle of God, into the very throne room of Christ to boldly approach the throne of grace and to inquire in his temple. Amen? And I want to invite you, I want to invite you to be that person that dwells in the house of the Lord, that beholds the perfect beauty of the Lord and inquires in the temple of the Lord because he will direct your paths. Amen? And you will get that white stone. And maybe it's like a big, it's like a hope diamond. You ever seen the hope diamond? 
You go to the Smithsonian, Ellie's up there, tell, text Ellie, say, pastor's talking about the Hope Diamond. When you get a free moment, go over to the Smithsonian, walk straight in, right there, one of the doors, I know exactly where it is. There it is, the Hope Diamond. You can go look at it. God's got something better for you than the Hope Diamond. It's the yes, it's the white stone. It's the yes stone that you have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. 